Sathadam Sanctissim Sacramentum. Spiritual Karina, I wish my Lord to receive you to purity, humility, and devotion with which your most holy mother received you with the spirit and fervor of the saints. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound uh, reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We thank the Lord here present for giving us this opportunity to gaze at him with faith and uh, to make acts of love and acts of hope and acts of faith as we come here in a time of recollection and focus on what he wants for us, what is God's plan for us specifically now in our vocation. As we come here, we realize that in this recollection, we realize that we're here together, listening and praying in front of our Lord himself. As you sit here in front of the Lord, you are making each one of you individual acts of faith personally. These acts of faith, these acts of love, these acts of reaching out to him have to come genuinely from a, a heart, from a personal act of faith that is uh, authentic, is unique, that is individual, that is true, that is loyal. Even though we're all different individuals here with different backgrounds, different challenges, different families, we all have a different past, a different history, different, different backgrounds and situation in life, distinct challenges. But all these points that are proper to our own uniqueness help us to, to know God more profoundly and His will for us. But at the same time, as we pray here together, we all know that we all have something fundamental that is in, in common. That is that we share a series of bonds that hold us together with a common vocation, a common faith in which we are all uh, united. We've all said yes to the Lord's invitation to, to this divine vocation. And that's something that we all have in common. It's like a bond that, that holds us together, like a, like a golden chain. It's a sense of communion. So we understand we're not isolated verses quoted out of context. We're part of a much larger poem. And today we invoke also Our Lady of Fatima, who protected Pope John Paul II already 42 years ago today when he was uh, blessing the crowds in St. Peter's Square and that assassin's bullet tried to take him down. 
but, well, the bullet didn't work. Our Lady's hand guided it to protect our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II. That bullet is now gracing the crown of Our Lady of Fatima in the shrine of Our Lady of, Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal. It's right there. Somehow it's one of the, the gems of that crown, the bullet itself that they picked up there in St. Peter's Square back in 1981. And we feel very much united to the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, and naturally to our Blessed Mother. And part of that is what we know as uh, the communion of saints, the communion of saints in the, in the church. And there's a communion of saints, a specific communion of saints also in the work itself because we share the same bonds of a divine vocation. Something here, as we see each other, as we speak to other, each other, we understand we're deeply intertwined, we're, we're very connected by that vocation, which means there's a communion. We call it the communion of saints. The catechism, or rather the, the, the compendium of the catechism of the Catholic Church, says that this expression, the communion of saints, indicates, first of all, the common sharing of all members of the church in holy things. The faith, the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, the charisms, and the other spiritual gifts. And at the root of this communion is love which does not seek its own interests, quoting there from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. At the root of that communion is that we're not just in a place where we're all comfortable, we like our things, uh, we are kind of seeking our own interests, as St. Paul says. But we're here because we're part of a larger family. And within the family of the church, the universal church, the Catholic church, there's also a smaller family that is part of that family that is that little particular piece of the church, which is the work itself. And we're part of that communion. Pope Francis has said that this communion of saints is one of the most consoling truths of our faith since it reminds us, he said, that we're not alone but that there's a communion of life among all those who belong to Christ. It's a communion, he says, that is born of faith. Indeed, the term saints refers to those who believe in the Lord Jesus and are incorporated by him into the church through baptism. It is why the first Christians were also called saints. Later on, we came to use the word blessed, we came to use the word saints as those, as referring to those who have been recognized for their heroic virtues and those to whom we could have recourse to in our prayers. But of course, in the very early church, all the saints were martyrs. And it was understood that somebody who had died for the faith had shed their blood in a heroic act of faith, a heroic act of gift of themselves, was necessarily going to be admitted to the communion with the Blessed Trinity and our Blessed Mother. And that's the way they called them, they called them saints. And with time, well, it wasn't only, it wasn't only martyrs. One came to see, well, some people died without being martyred, but they still showed really a deep unity 
with Christ, with his blessed mother and, and all the other saints. And they came to be known as the saints, recognized as such by their heroic virtues. And so we're, we're part of this communion. You could call it, like that movie, The Matrix. Oh, the, the movie, The Matrix, is, uh, is something that refers to a kind of an evil network controlled by computers that have taken over the world and created a kind of an alternative universe that is fictitious to keep the matrix going. You know, that's the premise of the movie. So everything that people see, it's all false. They're, it's actually nurtured. What they see out there is just nurtured by, these, by this matrix of computers. And uh, in fact, Pope Francis refers to the matrix of the communion of saints, like a good, good matrix. The movie, it's, it's a bad matrix, but there's also the good matrix. He says that the church, in her most profound truth, is communion with God, intimacy with God, a communion of love with Christ and with the Father in the Holy Spirit, which extends to brotherly communion. This relationship between Jesus and the Father is the matrix of the bond for us, between us Christians. We are intimately part of this matrix. This is this fiery furnace of love, he describes it. And then we can truly become one single heart, one single soul among us. For God's love burns away our selfishness, burns away, he says, our prejudices, our interior and exterior uh, divisions. The love of God even burns away our sins. Burns away everything that is not compatible with God. And we then became, we, we become part of that matrix. Rooted in, its, in the source, which is God's love. And as a result, there's a reciprocal sort of movement that appears. Love for God and we have love for others, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, it leads to a great unity there. I don't know if you saw recently on the Opus Dei website, there was an account of a supernumerary woman from Cadiz, from, I think it was San Fernando in Cadiz in the south of Spain. She speaks with a marvelous Andalus accent, you, you know, they should slow down the, the, the speed of the video because she's going like, a, you know, a hundred miles an hour, a second, literally. And she recounts how uh, she discovered Buddhism and she had been a Buddhist. And she said, I experienced such great peace. When I learned how to meditate, I would go with my friends and we would sit there in yoga position and we would meditate with our fingers together and it was lovely. I was in peace and serenity during that whole time. And she explained how she was a Buddhist for something like four or five years. And that whole time she said, I was in peace. It was lovely. But as that peace went on, she explains, I started to feel a hidden presence, as though somebody was standing in front of me, kind of reaching out to me. But I couldn't figure out who this was. Who was this person? She didn't know, but it was beginning to kind of 
shaken or in destabilize uh, that peace that she had acquired. One day she was she was with her friends and they were doing yoga, and uh, she again she said, "I I had peace, but the peace started to get a little bit shaken by this presence." And so one day they had a very special visit from like the number two under the Dalai Lama, a very important personality among the Buddhists. And uh, she said they were all excited to be able to talk to him. And she was given a few seconds to be able to talk, actually direct, you know, directly speak with him. She said, it was like speaking to the Pope. But it wasn't the Pope, of course. And, but she said, I was very excited. I, was, I, was, I wanted to talk to him. And she recounts how when she had the chance to speak to him, she explained that when she was doing yoga, she experienced this, this, this presence of somebody reaching out. She said originally she had been Catholic, but that, that was years ago. I mean, I was Catholic, and, and I was a Christian, but now I'm, I'm a Buddhist, and I like the peace, but there's this thing. And the Dalai Lama guy looked at her with a smile and said, you know, you should go back to Mass. And she said, oh, look, Dalai Lama, I think you didn't understand. You know, like I, I was a Catholic, I was a, but now I'm not, like I'm not that. I do not go to my, I, now I'm a Buddhist. I, I'm a complete convinced Buddhist. I love the peace. She goes, and he said, no, I understood what you said. I think you should go back to Mass. And she was kind of flummoxed by this, of course. And as she came out, all her family was waiting for her because, you know, it was an exciting moment. She only, she had the special privilege to talk to this guy. And they, and they asked her, well, what did he say? What did he, what did he tell you? What, what divine blessing did he give you? And she said, he told me to go to Mass. And they were all, no, he didn't understand you. No, 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 he told me to go back to Mass. And then sure enough, she did that. She went to Mass. She obeyed duly. And uh, something happened in there. So that, that presence that she experienced now was closer and closer. And uh, she experienced uh, something that was almost like the opposite of the peace in the sense that she began to feel a sense of responsibility to maintain that faith that she had, of course, uh, well, years before put aside. And then a friend told her about the center of the work and she started going there and she started to receive formation. And she exp explains with great uh, humor and great naturalness how that, that was Jesus pushing her to really uh, arrive at a, at, a, at a new series of bonds that will keep her together. Now, now she's a supernumerate. She's, she's very excited about that. And she says, I, you know, I feel the bonds that hold me now together. You know, that's an expression of uh, the, the communion of saints in the church, you know, how God, our Lord himself, eh, uses those spiritual bonds to bring us to him. And this is what we have to see if, if we experience the bonds of unity among ourselves, among the rest of Christians, the community of saints. If we f feel the support of the saints uh, in heaven, this the favorite saints we may have. Today, Our Lady of Fatima, of course, she, obviously she's a saint. Yesterday was uh, Blessed Alvaro, the peace that he would give us with his serenity, despite the the difficulties and the hardships and the challenges he suffered in his life, he always had that peace. And he always felt very, very much supported by his sons and daughters in Opus Day. And everything he saw it uh, through the perspective and the prism of God's love, largely because he felt he was never, never really alone. 
And we should never feel alone. We should never feel we've been somehow, we were just a nice verse quoted in isolation in some newspaper. We are part of a greater, of a greater community, a greater bond, a greater communion. And you know this famous Canadian author, Henry Nguyen, he used to make that distinction between in life being productive and being fruitful. He used to distinguish between those two terms, productive and fruitful. He said that our society places a lot of importance on productivity, right? on, on leaving a legacy, on cranking out a certain amount of uh, widgets, of showing that we're capable of doing this. We have these qualities. We're able to play the guitar. We're able to play the harmonica. I don't know. We're, we're able to do you know, productive things that are useful to others and to ourselves because that sense of productivity or being productive frees us from the fear of ending up somehow being not too useful. You know? We're just there in our corner and we're, we're not too useful. But, but if we think, think we're productive, we're doing something useful, it somehow makes us feel more valuable in, in the context of our society today. Because many people fear being somehow useless, isolated. No, they say they say in Spanish they say este no pega sellos ni sellos. That means uh, this guy can't even like he can't even stick stamps on an envelope. You know, like that's you know that's it's a joke they have. No, and uh, and uh, there's a great fear of that that we're not going to be that good. We can't we're not going to be too productive. But fruitfulness is much richer. To be fruitful, it's not visible. You can't see it. It goes unnoticed but it is far, far richer. It's far deeper. Fruitfulness is hidden. It's like the fruit in the soul that comes from a deep interior life. A soul with a deep interior life, with a deep fidelity to the plan of life, a deep love for God and the Blessed Virgin Mary, a deep love and prayer for the Holy Father. That person produces hidden fruit, maybe not apparent productivity. And we saw this certainly in somebody like Don Alvaro, right? his serenity, his peace, what he always described as uh, gaudium compace. Right? We say that every day at the process, gaudium compace, joy with, with peace. It's because uh, the fruit of joy and peace comes from the tree of faith. When we have faith, it's like we have a tree, and from that tree, uh, from that tree comes, comes all these fruit, from serenity, uh, generosity, kindness, patience, joy, peace. Fruit don't come falling out of the sky. They come from trees, and the tree of faith produces that kind of fruit. And Don Alvaro had the deepest conviction that Ober's day was from God. And it could do great, great good for the church. That is, not productive things necessarily, but fruit, the deepest fruit, the fruit of sanctity. It would be of great good for souls. He wasn't, he wasn't worried about whether or not people liked him. The fruitfulness, really, that was his life, was the fruitfulness of sanctity. His ability to enter into dialogue with God. 
his faith. You could see it whenever he knelt in front of the image of Our Lady. It was a matter of faith. When he had to face all the struggles to get the juridical approvals for Opus Dei, which we kind of like take for granted now, but it took a long time, a lot of effort, a lot of prayer, a lot of penance, a lot of study and work to get the work approved within the context and within the realm of the juridical structure of the church so that it would correspond to the charism. You know, that was work, but it was a lot of pilgrimages, a lot of penance. You could see his, his life was fruitful. And that fruit spread to others because of that particular communion of saints that we have in the work, especially when we're particularly united eh, to the Father. And we can renew that desire now to be really united to the Father, the current Father, you know, who is now carrying uh, the weight of, uh, of the responsibility of being the Father, the prelate in the work. And we should pray to him, not just in the precious, but we should pray for him uh, frequently. Because as we pray, it's like we're, we're, we're transmitting good arterial oxygenated blood, like in a blood transfusion. Imagine you get a blood transfusion because you're sick and you get bad blood, you know, infected blood. You're going to get worse. We don't want to give him infected blood. The infected blood of lukewarmness or the infected blood of lack of fidelity to the plan of life. We want to give good blood. Good prayers. And you could say that by and large, the, the life of somebody like Don Alvaro and so many other people in the work, it was the result of that, that unity that we live, that communion of saints in the, in the church, in, in the work specifically. I heard a story years ago about one time Don Alvaro was visiting France. This was before the, as I recall, it was before the work was uh, a personal prelature. He was in France, and he went to pray at Notre-Dame de Paris. And he knelt there in front of an image of Our Lady, together with Don Joaquin and Don Javier. They were just alone there praying. And in the distance was a, a young man from Cameroon. And he, he too was there, praying on his own. Don Alvaro had no idea who he was. But after several minutes of praying there, he pulled out a prayer card and he gave it to Don Joaquin. He said, go, see that young man over there? Go, go and give that to him. It was, a, it was a prayer card of our father. And Don Joaquin says, look, uh, this, uh, this priest over here, he's the Prado de Bobo's Day. He wants you to have this prayer card so that you pray to this saint. This is a saint. And you should pray to him and he will respond to your needs. Turns out that that young man was sort of at a crossroads in his life. He didn't know what God wanted of him. He didn't know if he wanted him to be a priest or go back to Cameroon or what. But in the end, that little impulse that sort of moved him to indeed enter the seminary. He entered the seminary and today he's a, he's a priest. Not only that, he's a, he's a priest of the priest's side of the Holy Cross. And he has a huge, huge devotion to Blessed Alvaro because he attributes his own vocation to just that little intervention there of uh, Blessed Alvaro. It's again, the communion of saints. And our vocation 
is a call from God to enter into that fruitfulness. That fruitfulness. Not simply productivity, not activism, not just doing a lot of stuff, but to enter into that dynamic which which the Lord is inviting us to, it is powered by the love of God, by God's grace. Because there's nobody who is an accident, nobody who's just here by chance. And certainly, this fruitfulness, we see it like dynamically present in the early church. We see it in the Council of Jerusalem, where everybody hears Peter speak, and the Acts of the Apostles tells us when Peter spoke, the assembly was silent. Everybody listened. Right? And it's, it's beautiful to see how everybody okay, agreed with Peter. There had been some tensions. You know, some people, you know, how to accept the Gentiles into the church and, and the Jews, and you know, how to integrate the Gentiles. It was a complicated question. And then Peter spoke, and it was clear. And uh, uh, it's a beautiful phrase. You know, the whole assembly fell silent. The whole assembly fell silent. And the problem was resolved. And the Acts of the Apostles then tells us how Paul and Barnabas started describing the signs and wonders that God had worked among the pagans. And there too the assembly fell silent because they were like on tip, their tiptoes listening to all the signs and wonders that Paul and Barnabas were recounting. It was like a, it was like a big get-together. You know, big get-together in the early church. You know. Paul would say, yeah, then I went to this pagan guy, and then I, this happened, and this guy was suddenly raised, and, you know, and they, were, they were asking questions. And what happened when you went to, uh, I don't know, Philippi, Iconium, what happened there? Did they receive you well? And that's all part of the early church. But it wasn't just the dynamism of Paul himself or Barnabas. Of course, God used them, but behind them was that whole communion. And this is particular yeah, communion of saints that we want to sort of uh, strengthen with our vocation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it means we have to really feel the bonds that tie us together. It means really that we have to feel deeply responsible for those strengthening of those bonds. When you get up in the morning you don't feel like getting up. You're tired. You went to bed late. The babies were crying. It's time to get up. I don't feel like it. But you're going to get up, well, to support your sisters in South Africa. To support those who are in the Ukraine. To support those who are maybe waffling in their vocation. That personal act of heroism, of generosity is not an isolated good act. It's connected. It's connected somehow. It's connected by those divine bonds of grace. And that's why Don Alvaro would tell us, you know, we really have to be like a strong chain. I I think it was uh, our father used to have two links of a large chain on his desk to remind him that he was supported and that he had to support the others, but you know, he, had, he was like one link in that chain. One link is broken, and the, and the whole chain, the, the the power of the chain falls. I mean, it can no longer uh, support or carry what it needs to carry. So we ask this of our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Fatima, today, that she help us to be more deeply conscious of the nature 
of the communion of saints in the work that we really sort of strengthen our sense of responsibility to fortify those bonds. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, to see for me. Thank you.